Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Tuesday, Wednesday, not sure yet. There's technical gremlins causing issues here at Five Yard HQ. Not sure when this is going to drop, but there's a chance it drops on Wednesday and there's a chance it drops at exactly the same time as the Five Yard College pod. And no, there isn't a glitch in the Matrix. Even though Tom is wearing exactly the same jersey as he was when we recorded the college pod, we flip reversed it. I'm on theirs, he's on ours. Tom and I are in your ears, regardless of where you're listening this week. That's right, Rush Nation. Tom from Five Yard College has joined me in place of Murphy, who's taking a well-needed break. Tom, welcome to Five Yard Rush, man. Welcome back. It was nice speaking to you yesterday. It's nice speaking to you today. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. I think people are going to be sick of the sound of my voice very soon. I don't, that's not true. I mean, if they only listen to Five Yard, then they've only heard you a little bit, you know, and they listen to Five Yard College because they like you guys. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what hot takes I can come out with tonight. It's a, it's nice to be talking about the NFL rather than exclusively the college game. And yeah, let's, I'm excited to get going. Well, I think you'll, you'll do, you'll do better than my appearance on college yesterday because I started by gunning Ash and by the end I was hugely appreciative of what you two do because college football is a massive minefield that makes the NFL ocean seem like a pond. So It does. I, I think you, you're doing yourself a disservice. You did, you did a great job considering the circumstances. The, the minefield with, with the college game is a conversation we were just having off air where somebody will pull out a player from a programme, whether it's well-known or not, and they may be a freshman, sophomore, you don't know much or, or, or anything at all about them. And you expected or the anticipated to, to know exactly about this player's stats and recalling. And you know from, from 
looking at the league, it's hard enough in the NFL. You know, when you've got your player rankings in your head and teams to look out for and waiver wires and, and all that sort of thing, in the college game, it gets infinitely harder. Yes, because there are three and a half million players to pick from. <laughs> Which it actually make, it makes for fun when the when the waivers hit. It does make for fun because unlike the NFL, when sixty percent of the people we thought were going to be good this year are now injured for fantasy, there's still people you can throw in your lineup at college because there's so many more players. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're starting Olathabi Johnson and all sorts of randoms in the NFL because there's only 53-man rosters and we're only starting offensive players and injuries. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, how about we do some news? We normally do it on a Monday night, so we do have some stuff from the Monday night games, which is good. We tweaked the show doc, and we are going to start with one of the Monday night games, and that was Green Bay Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams said on Monday that he was going to miss Monday's game against the Atlanta Falcons due to a hamstring injury. He tweeted, Sorry, fans and friends, I won't be on the field tonight. I've done everything I need to do and proved I'm ready, but I guess I don't know my body as well as others. Good luck out there, my boys. However, he deleted that 35 minutes later, according to USA Today Sports. This was quite a shock if the obviously the Packers they didn't end up needing him because they, they destroyed the Falcons yesterday. It was quite a shock though that they wouldn't start their alpha receiver. It is, considering we, we, we keep being told that Green Bay are weak at the position. I think that there is a message in between the lines there when he says about, I don't know my body as, as well as others do. I think Devante Adams wanted to play and was heavily advised not to in the end. And reading between the lines, I don't think he was he was at all happy with that. Am I right in saying Green Bay have got a bye next week? So I think yeah, it was definitely the, a coaching decision. Like the medical staff, the medical. I mean, listen, Green Bay are going to beat the Atlanta Falcons with or without Devante Adams, and they know that. Adams knows that. Adams wants to wants to lead the league in touchdowns and receptions and yards because everyone else around him, certainly you know Michael Thomas is. Uh, the main contender is injured. He'll be he'll be looking at being the number one wide receiver in the NFL this year, and he will have felt ready. It's not always wise to go with what the player says when when they're particularly keen to get playing. I think ultimately you've got to go with with what the team doctors say. Yeah, absolutely. And they do have a bye along with the Detroit Lions next week, and perhaps it was in the team's best interest, like you said the way the Packers have been playing, they were going to beat the Falcons in the way that the Falcons are leaking points. And it just, it was a team decision to have another two weeks off essentially with, <laughs> with the bye coming up. I mean, who have they got looking next up? They've got, um, they then take on the Buccaneers, the Texans, the Vikings, the 49ers, the Jags, the Colts, the Bears. Their, their schedule is pretty tasty actually. Then they've got mm-hmm. Eagles, Lions, Panthers, Titans, Bears. Yeah. I don't blame them. I mean, the, the Buccaneers' defense is pretty good right now, so a couple of weeks of health, and then you you straight back into it against the Buccaneers. Then you can shred the Texans and the Vikings, and yeah, good move by the staff. And luckily enough, I didn't need him in my home dynasty team to see me over the line against Nick, who is now zero and four and scored one of the most amount of points in the league. So I feel a little bit harsh for, for Nick in our home dynasty league because he's been hammered four weeks in a row and is zero and four. So sorry, Nick. I had a situation in a league that we're both in where my three starting receivers this weekend were Devante Adams, Chris Godwin and Calvin Ridley. I guess you started Ridley, right? They all started because my 
my bench was filled with unavailable players, whether it's COVID opt-outs or people on IR. As it's a dynasty league, I wasn't willing to to give those players up. There was there was nobody on the bench that I was willing to give up, considering the, the, the players that were left available. I was relieved when Calvin Ridley started <laughs> and then found out that, <laughs> that Matt Ryan forgot he existed. So the, the twist in the tale is that I actually won the fixture with That's no wide receivers. Horrendous if you, how you managed to win that. Two incredibly injury hit teams. That's what fantasy is about, right? Squeaking out a win when you shouldn't be winning. Yeah. Well, it was, it, was a, it was a rarity this weekend. In, I think this weekend I was two and eight in the 10 leagues that I'm in. It was a bad week. Yeah, I also had a bad week, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Cleveland Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski told reporters on Monday that running back Nick Chubb suffered an MCL sprain during Sunday's 49-38 win over the Dallas Cowboys and he'll be put on injured reserve. The injury is believed not to be season ending however the 24 year old got off to a solid start in 2020 running for 292 yards and four touchdowns through the Browns first three games he was on pace for another big game in week four as he already carried the ball six times for 43 yards before exiting with his knee injury not good news if you are a Nick Chubb owner even worse news is I have seen the next player having being Austin Eckler, he's hamstring looked bad on bad on Sunday afternoon, and apparently it was NFL insider Ian Rapport reported that Eckler suffered what is considered a serious hamstring injury, and that was per sources of the from the situation. I think actually today news has come out to say it's not as bad as we might have thought, and he's going to miss a couple of weeks. I don't know whether they put him on the IR anyway to just have him out for three weeks and free up a roster spot. I'm not sure what's going to happen with that, but I've seen owners who have Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb who were drafting at the end of the first round and went running back, running back, and that's going to sting. Absolutely. From a franchise point of view, you've got two teams there that are essentially run-first offences with two Good running backs. I mean, I'm not going to put Joshua Kelly in the same company as as Eckler, Chubb and Kareem Hunt at the minute, but that certainly the potential's there. What that's going to do is that is going to force both the Browns and the Chargers to, to rethink how they're approaching games. We're going to see Herbert slinging the ball a lot, which we've seen glimpses of. However, if they rely on it, we might not see the same results. And Baker Mayfield owners will will have been frustrated at the fact that the Browns have become a run-heavy offence. However, it's a good time for, for picking Baker up now if, if he is indeed available because I think they're gonna, the Browns are going to have to ask him to, to start slinging it. Do you think Do you think they're not going to rely on Kareem Hunt, uh, Dontrell Hilliard and then the guy who came in whose name eludes me on Sunday, uh, jo- Johnson? Isn't it something Johnson? He came in on Sunday and, and looked pretty good before Dontrell Hilliard got a few carries at the end. Uh, Kareem Hunt, we've seen him be a bell cow in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Stefanski's going to still want to run the ball and I think Kareem Hunt now could if Chubb misses extensive time Kareem Hunt's a lock for a top five running back. I think I think so I'm not entirely convinced at the idea that Chubb will be back and fully healthy before the end of the season comes depending on the, the extent of the strain if it's if it's sort of a grade one injury then it could well be the case that we're talking four or five weeks if it's if it's a more severe strain, you're not going to see Nick Chubb at his best again this season. It now relies on the extent of the injury and the rehab that he receives. 
I think you'll see Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt taking a lot of the ball, but I also think we're, we're going to have to see Baker throwing it more as well. That's not a terrible thing, considering it looks like he's got a good rapport with Beckham now. I was worried at the start of the season that Beckham was going to be the Beckham we saw last year, but actually, mm-hmm. it looks like even though he's on smaller targets than he had at New York, it looks like he's got some sort of connection now with Baker, which is good for him, good for the Browns, good for fantasy, good all round. And if, like you say, ben- Baker starts slinging it a little bit more, maybe, maybe he'll see a few more targets and could be really good. But we'll have to wait and see on that. Talking to somebody who is slinging it, a little stat here for you now. Dak Prescott had 502 passing yards in the Cowboys' loss to the Browns on Sunday. Some of the records set with that performance were the first player in NFL history with at least 450 passing yards in three consecutive games, the most passing yards in a three-game span in NFL history, 1,424 over the last three games, which is ludicrous, and then most passing yards in a four-game Four game span in NFL history, 1,690 in the four games this season. So Dak Prescott is on some sort of tear already, and I think that's not going to continue, right? It can't. It can't. I think the reason that we've seen Dak throwing the ball 40, 45 times a game or, or more is because of how bad the defence is at the minute. And if, if Dallas wants to win games, they have to put up 35 points if they want to win. And that suits Dak because, you know, we've we've seen at the back end of last year and the start of this season that he's more than capable and, and, and willing to do that. He's, he's happy to throw the ball 40 times a game and, and sling it for 400, 400, 450 yards. So I think we're in a situation at Dallas where, well, I'll ask you this question. Are you worried about Zeke Elliott yet? Uh, explain worried. The fumble in the first half, which essentially knocked the momentum way back into Cleveland's favour. Is that the second fumble we've seen from Zeke? We had one last week at the goal line. Are you starting to, to worry about his production? I'm not... N- n- no. I know what you mean. There is that sort of umbrella of shade approaching the Zeke Elliott fantasy and NFL player that he is. But I'm not worried yet because he's still been targeted a lot in the passing game. I think he's had five targets at least in most of the games so far this season and that's big for a running back. If you get five or six targets, we've seen what Zeke can do with the targets as well. He's got the ability to break off big plays. Yes, the fumbles are concerning and the fact that we've had two in four games now is not great. I mean, you think about the way people were talking about Jonathan Taylor's fumbling issues coming into the NFL. I don't know if he's had a fumble yet in in the NFL. I'm don't think so but I could be wrong on that but I think they're a little bit like the shanks in golf fumbles once you start getting them they're difficult to get rid of Mm -hmm. especially if perhaps Zeke's just changed the way he's carrying the ball a little bit we don't know how his mechanics were tweaked possibly in in the offseason shortened offseason he's had less carries in practice maybe that's a reason there could be multitudes of reasons why he's, he's fumbled twice but we're certainly not going to want him to fumble eight times through 16 games, that's for sure. It might just be one of those situations where two instances have happened very close to one another and people like me begin to overreact. But what's your overreaction to it then? You're going to play Zeke, surely. I didn't go out and get Zeke when in drafts in pre-season and that was because I was worried about the Dolphins 
Dolphins. I'm looking at the Dolphins score from Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick up Zeke in the, the preseason draft process because I was worried about how the Cowboys were going to play under Mick, uh, Mike McCarthy. Not Mick McCarthy, the former Wolves and Island manager. Mick McCarthy. Mike McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> it would be good to see his uh, his philosophy in, in the NFL. No, no. Oh, I would, uh, <laughs> it would be dreadful. It would just be long shots to uh, DK Metcalf. <laughs> that, that would be, let's do that 25 times a game. Um, I digress. I was worried about the, the di- direction the Cowboys were heading in. And so far, the jury's still out. For me, Dak is the star of the show at the minute. He's obviously in his year where he wants to sort his money out for the future. So it'll be interesting to see if this can be sustained and if he's going to get the sort of money that he wants at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. And if he carries on like this, then I, there's, he's proven that he's a quarterback. I mean, he's only one side of the ball, right? The defence has got to show up as well. So mm-hmm. there'll be some money for Dak at the end of the season if he carries on at this rate, that's for sure. Russell Wilson had only two passing touchdowns against the Dolphins on Sunday, which still brought his season total to 16 and tied Peyton Manning in 2013 for the most by any player in the first four games of a season in NFL history. There's some sort of symbiotico between the college pod and five yard, Tom. We mentioned Peyton Manning yesterday. We We mentioned Ezekiel Elliott's fumble yesterday. This is all coming together perfectly. Russell Wilson's pace is also going to slow down surely, right? It has to, and I, I imagine Pete Carroll has has this planned as well because Seattle took the lead the league by storm in the early fixtures by going past heavy, and, and we didn't expect it. And as the rest of the league and, and NFL defenses begin to prepare for a heavy passing game, that's when you're going to see Chris Carson getting twenty touches. Yeah, Chris Carson had a pretty good day at the weekend as well. Had his he did. Most, I think he had his most rushing attempts which was he hadn't had many, to be fair. So that was good news to see him rushing a little bit more. Another, well, we didn't really talk about the Titans yesterday. We talked about the state of Tennessee, Tom. And the Tennessee Titans have recorded no new positive COVID-19 tests on Monday or Tuesday for the first time in seven days. The team must go consecutive days without a new positive test before they can reopen their facility. So good news, Titans fans. The second day of negative results has happened. We just have to wait and see if, in fact, it will reopen on Wednesday. But it's trending in the right direction, which is good news for them and good news for the league. Absolutely. It's one of those situations where when those first positive tests came in, everyone feared the worst. And we needed a couple of days of of good news. So fingers crossed that it's been contained and and we can try and get back to a 16-game weekend. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if anything else happens at New England, considering they had a couple of days of negative tests after Cam Newton was surprisingly the only person in the building who tested positive, which was random. That's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Bizarre uh, to to be there and practising all week, but to be the, the only person to to test positive good news but it did take me by surprise considering yeah just the fact that he's the starting quarterback you presume that by throwing a ball around or at least one other person would be also infected but good news that they weren't talking of did you see the fight between Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate at the end of the Rams Giants game saw the fight the background I had no idea until reading it today so, so, so the, the whole backstory is totally new to me. 
Yeah, me too. When I when I saw this, I thought I'll have a look at the headline. Went into the article. I I didn't know that any of this had happened or was a thing. So a simmering feud between Jalen Ramsey and receiver Golden Tate came to a boil on Sunday. We talked about the fight. The Rams DB and the Giants wide receiver got involved in a fight after the game. Now it wasn't caught on camera until afterwards. I don't know if there is now a view of the fight ensuing, but all I've seen is a big huddle of players after the fight had had sort of started or finished and people were trying to get the guys apart Mm -hmm. now the backstory as tom said is quite deep apparently ramsey has two children with golden tate's sister brianna but he chose to end their relationship to start seeing a las vegas dancer i haven't met jalen ramsey i've spent time around him at an nfl live event and he seemed like a really nice guy so this seems that could be way off mark that comment but the moment i have spent with him he seemed nice enough that this it doesn't seem like the sort of thing he'd do but uh, apparently it's all true and had no idea it sounds like the script for an episode of of a netflix series doesn't it yeah you know if you if you were writing a series about american football but you also wanted to keep partners or people who aren't interested in the game itself watching the show as well is it right we'll get two star players and what we're going to do is we're going to get them personally involved. Then we're going to throw the twist of a, a, a dancer from Las Vegas in there who's going to who's going to steal the man away, and then it's going to lead in this sort of end up in this brawl at the end of a, at the end of a game. It seems something from the television. Apparently, Ramsey was was waiting outside the locker room to to carry things on afterwards as well after everything had calmed down. So it seems like there is some bad blood between them. Yeah, and if that's true, then you can understand why. Absolutely. Unfortunately, Tom, we have to talk about the New York Jets now. And uh, a good bit of news to start with. Jets defensive tackle Quinnen Williams was cleared of two felony gun charges stemming from a march arrest at New York's LaGuardia Airport. And that's from multiple media outlets are reporting. That's good news, right? Yeah, and common sense has prevailed there because Quinnen Williams... It was it was an ignorance of the law, and, and I know that that isn't an excuse for for breaking it. But in, according to New York state law, if you travel with a firearm, the key to the box must be in a separate piece of luggage to the box itself. So that the gun that he was carrying, which he was licensed to carry, was was locked away, but the key was in the same piece of luggage, which was in contravention of New York state law but not Alabama state law, which is where the, the felony was was brought against him. And I think common sense has prevailed from the very little that I know about Quinn and Williams. He seems like a lovely guy, but not the brightest button. So I'm not surprised <laughs> that I'm not surprised that he's he's fallen foul of, of a change in the law there. Well, yeah, like you said, thankfully common sense has prevailed and hopefully somebody reminds him that to keep the key separate. Oh, it's it's only the mistake that someone learns once oh yeah, that's very true <laughs> so we do have to stay with the jets tom and that the jets have said they are not planning to play sam Darnold after he picked up a shoulder injury against the broncos in the forthcoming matchup this weekend mm-hmm. who uh who who steps in then well that's that's the million dollar question the jets drafted james morgan in the fourth round even with a full complement of wide receivers, they were short at the position and they went for a quarterback 
whilst also picking up Joe Flacco in free agency. From from my perspective, the, the only thing that would make this game worth watching from a, from a Jets perspective is to see how the rookie does. We know what Joe Flacco is about. Joe Flacco, if, if he's on a good team that can compete, then maybe he can keep the, the score close. He isn't the sort of quarterback that's going to get the Jets a win against the Arizona Cardinals at the weekend. So I think whoever starts, the Jets are on a hide into nothing. For me, if Flacco starts ahead of Morgan, then you must ask the question, why are you drafting a rookie in the fourth round when you knew full well you needed to pick up some depth at wide receiver? And injuries have proven that, I mean, the Jets are pulling people off the street. Jeff Smith played on Thursday night, and the first time I heard of him was when I saw his name appear on the team sheet. So it was a strange decision. Otherwise, what was a good draft for the Jets? I'm expecting Flacco to start, but that still leaves me with the question of why draft a quarterback in the fourth round. Yeah, and 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 I, as a Broncos fan, saw Mr. Flacco last season, and it wasn't pretty. So mm-hmm. he's the kind of guy you want behind Darnold to get those leadership skills into Darnold, and because as good as Flacco was at the Ravens, you know he won a Super Bowl. Then. He's got experience to getting to the big dance and winning it. And that's the sort of thing you want behind your young rookies and second and third year quarterbacks. But as you say, he's not the guy who's going to come in and light it up with an already depleted New York Jets team. So There's very few quarterbacks in NFL history that I can think of off the top of my head that would would make the Jets competitive at the minute. It depends what, what they want to do. If you want to throw the rookie in and see how he does, there may be a concern that it, it might hit his development or his confidence. But the Jets aren't going to win with, with Joe Flacco under centre on Sunday. Mm. Talking of somebody who else might not win on Sunday, the Houston Texans have fired head coach slash general manager Bill O'Brien after they fell to a 0-4 and four start. Should we now be burying their playoffs hopes, Tom? Oh yeah, absolutely. Things will turn around in Houston, but it's going to take a while. I think if you look at the job that Bill O'Brien has done, it's bordering on a criminal offence, what he's done to that franchise in the past couple of years. And we must separate Bill O'Brien, the head coach, from Bill O'Brien, the general manager, because he's done a a decent job to to this point in regards to his head coaching job. But in, in, in an acting general manager role, I can't think of anyone who has mismanaged a franchise more than he has in the last couple of years. And this is going to be two, three years before the franchise recovers from this. Mm. It's such a Jekyll and Hyde situation because surely as the head coach, you want to be giving yourself the best chance to win by making the best moves as general manager. And he hasn't done that. So as good as he's been as a head coach, he's cost himself the job by poor general managing. And as a head coach, you want to be having the best players and Hopkins trade away was everybody absolutely gunned it at the time. And as a GM, that's not a great move, but as a head coach, you must be thinking, what's the GM doing? But you can't mm-hmm. do that because it's the same guy. So how, how we managed to do both jobs when general manager position was so bad was, I just, I don't know how you, how you have two sides of the coin when, it's one side to get idea baffled me. I think I think you get comfortable because you've got one set of eyes on the situation and you stick to what you know 
and with that one set of eyes you can sort of confirm the biases you already hold you make decisions I think when you've got a general manager who is looking in the long-term health of the program but also with it with a different perspective he brings in different talents and that then forces the head coach to think about right how can I use this guy and that is what can can result in either great things happening. I mean, already LaVisca Chenault at, at Jacksonville has, has added a new dimension to that offence, or bad things can happen in it and it doesn't work out. So I think what's happened is that it's allowed Bill O'Brien to get very comfortable in, in the way that he likes to do things. And he's not he's not been challenged enough. And he's he's stuck to the way that he's coached for, for the last two or three years. And it's, he's, he's paid the price. Do you then think that that makes... I was going to say Bill O'Brien, Bill Belichick, what he's done as the general manager slash head coach of the New England Patriots, even more impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, the one thing that I've pointed out when speaking to, to, to people in my line of work about leadership, I always say that the best leaders surround themselves with people who are going to challenge them on a, on a daily basis, not with people who are going to be obstinate, but people who are going to make them rethink. If you look at Bill Belichick's hires over the years, he's far from somebody that wants to appoint a group of people that are just going to be nodding dogs around the table and say, yes, Bill, you're absolutely right. He likes to be challenged. He likes new ideas to be to be presented to him. And as you said, it just makes the job he's done in his role all the more impressive. Yeah, it was a real shame we didn't get to see Cam in the game last night against the Chiefs because for the first quarter or first half, the Patriots pretty much had the Chiefs locked up. And mm-hmm. the before last night, the last two times that the Chiefs had been behind against the Patriots, I think the only two times the Chiefs, I'm going to get this stat wrong, hadn't scored in the first quarter was against the Patriots. And they went on to lose both of those games. So the fact that they then came from behind, or not behind, but after not scoring in the first quarter last night to beat the Patriots was, was quite the the result for them and it just shows what a good team they are how good actual Patrick Mahomes can be and how we got to start talking about Andy Reid in more of a, a an esteemed light but I'm going to get to that later on with a where are we now in fantasy 2020 and then finally after being questionable to play all week with a hamstring niggle Julio Julio Idiot. Julio Jones exited Monday night's clash with the Packers. Calvin Ridley also didn't make a catch in his first game since his rookie year in 2018. The Packers did a great job of containing Ridley once Julio exited. But prior to its premature end, Julio Jones' night did feature a bit of history, Tom. This one's for you. As the multi-time pro bowler passed Falcons legend Roddy White to become the franchise's all-time receptions leader with 809. A lot of people would have expected this to come sooner in the season. You think about how Calvin Ridley has dominated for the Falcons so far this year. It was always going to happen and what a player he's been for that franchise and it's fully deserved. And it's interesting to see that after, you know, I'm not going to say down weeks, but a few quiet weeks for, for Julio, we know he's still got it. And I think what you're going to see with that offense is they're going to score a lot of points because they have to. And on some weeks, it's going to be Julio and on other weeks, it's going to be Calvin Ridley. Yeah. And I think we saw the opposite to what we were talking about earlier with the Packers and Adams and the fact that they said to him, you know, we don't want you to play. It's not, we know you want to play, but actually we don't think we need you. And there's a bye week coming up and you can get some rest for the rest of the season. I think the Falcons went into last night thinking 
in order to beat Green Bay, we're going to need everybody on the field because we really, really need this win. And and it turned out it conspired drastically against them with Ridley not getting a catch and Julio going out injured. I mean, the tackle wasn't great. The leg tackle did tweak his leg in, in quite a bad way, but you have to question them playing him with his already questionable tag with the hamstring injury. It, it was a desperation play by the Falcons and, and it didn't work out. Absolutely. The Falcons know that they need to score points to win games because of how bad they are on defence. I guess we were talking about Devante Adams before and it's a good job he's, he's deleted that that tweet or the Instagram post, whichever platform he, he used in the end. If you are you know, a member of that Green Bay medical team, you can turn around and say, that's why we that's why we rested you at the at the weekend. That's why you didn't play Monday night because of what happened to to Calvin Ridley. And it's a risky take for me. The Falcons had to play both if they if if they believed that they could get a full game out of Ridley, they they had to play him because they're they're again one of those teams that they, they have to score thirty points if they want to win games because they are so bad on the other side of the ball. Yep, and they just don't quite have the firepower the Cowboys have to to keep up with them. Uh, on the scoring respect, uh, although they, they did lose to the Cowboys after throwing away what was a terrible lead, but they've been slated enough for that. We won't dig the, the Falcons a deeper they've hole. Heard enough. Yeah, uh, it's not looking good for the Falcons, shall we say. Tom, would you like to do where are we now in fantasy or burying teams' playoff hopes first? You're the guest, you choose. Let's bury some teams Okay, we have, I think we already buried the Jets and the Giants. We were going to leave the Texans and the Falcons. We didn't bury the Broncos because they needed a win against the Jets and they managed to get that even though Bryce Rippon managed to throw three interceptions. I don't know Mm -hmm. what happened there, but the the Broncos somehow got themselves off the list. So the teams we could bury this week are the Texans and the Falcons. We've already said we're going to bury the Texans. Are we burying the Atlanta Falcons? You have to. You have to. There is, there's no way that, well, they're all one four now, so they need to, they need to now lose a, a maximum of three games, and I cannot see that defense picking up that many wins between now and the end of the season. I just, I just can't see it. So unfortunately, it hurts to see a team as talented as as they are on offense join the aforementioned Texans, Jets, Giants. Because I think that they are more talented on offense. Unfortunately, at zero and four, there's no way back for that team. Yeah, agreed. It's, it it is didn't help that the Panthers beat the Cardinals. They got a win in in what game? Probably they shouldn't have won. Um, no, they shouldn't. Not right. They they were in the game. They played well. Vegas didn't have them winning. We didn't think they were going to win. The Cardinals were playing well, and the Panthers got a win. So that's a win against the Falcons in that division. Um, just just on the scoreboard, not against the Falcons. But then also you got the Bucks, who came back from the Chargers and won that one. The Saints beat the Lions. So everyone in the division's winning except the Falcons. So yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty happy to bury them. I wish I had a trash can noise to push now, but I don't. That would be that would be good. Is there anyone else you can think of, Tom, that we can bury? Not without being overly controversial. I don't think there is a team whose record might not suggest that they are to be buried, and it probably is too soon. But I think Chicago are going to be buried sooner than you think. Well, that's, that's fair. I don't know how they got to three and one. To be fair. So. The, the Bears could easily be one and three, very easily. And they're, they're, they're not a good team. 
switching Nick Foles in ahead of Trubisky hasn't had the desired effect. Who would have thought, you know, swapping one backup quarterback with another isn't <laughs> going to turn you into a winning team? It's a false position that they're in at three and one. They are going to be buried, but maybe not just yet. Do you think we see Mitch Trubisky again if the Nick Foles experiment backfires even more so? I would be tempted only if it means that we see a fire in him because Trubisky for a long time hasn't had that competition. All of a sudden Foles comes in and everybody can see what's happening, that it's only a matter of time. You know, as a reminder, Mitch Trubisky was two and I was a quarterback this year when he was when he was dropped from the team. That tells you that the coaching staff were looking for any excuse, any reason <laughs> yeah. to take him out. So it may be the case that if the Foles experiment does fail and Trubisky comes in, let's see if it's lit a fire under him and if we can if we can see an angry Mitch Trubisky. Is, yeah, I just don't know if he's got that in him. At this stage, I share your doubts. Which is it's not a great place to be. I I don't want to sit here as an armchair fan and say that Mitch Trubisky isn't good enough because who am I as, as a person to say that this guy isn't good enough to play at the most elite level of his sport ever. But when we are comparing him to other quarterbacks we see on Sundays, he doesn't look like he's got what it takes to play at that level, unfortunately. And I'm not sure he's got the fire in him. It would be different, for instance, if Cam Newton had gone there and they still started Mitch Trubisky, but then Cam went in after three weeks and Cam cammed and Trubisky thought, well, I've now got to fight for this job. But the fact that they've put a flapping fish in, in Nick Foles, who doesn't look comfortable, doesn't look good enough either. Trubisky doesn't have to think, well, I need to, I need to really show out in practice here. I need to go and fight for this because who wants to fight against a lame, a lame horse or whatever is it? you don't need to apply much pressure to the guy to, to get your job back. And that's not necessarily what you want to see when you want someone to be fired up. Not at all. The, the, the Bears in the off-season didn't... They had two options. They either stuck by Trubisky and said, right, you know, here's your fifth-year option. We're riding with you. Hello, high water. Let's see how it goes. Or we're going to bring a challenger in that is straight away going to be considered a possible QB1 and you're going to be a backup. Those are the two obvious and more drastic positions that the Bears could take. They went for the compromise option. They brought in another career backup. Yes, he had a fantastic Super Bowl run, and I will forever be grateful to Nick Foles for what he did to Bill Belichick and the Patriots. (laughs) However, the fact remains, he is a career backup. And their quarterback situation is is a dangerous one because they're not going to be bad enough to be in the conversation for one of the best rookies. So they're going to be right back on the free agent market when the time comes. So let me ask you this then. Last season, obviously, Nick Foles signed with the Jaguars for that big money deal, started and week one, got injured. And then we Gardner Minshew came in and he Gardner Minshewed and we mm-hmm. got all the, the good Gardner Minshew and he, he did enough to make sure that he won that job and is now the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If Nick Foles wasn't to get injured at the start of last season, do you think he would have gone the whole season for the Jaguars or do you think we would have seen Gardner Minshew at some point because Nick Foles was rumbled as a backup? I think it's very easy to keep a sixth-round rookie on the bench from a pressure perspective. If it was this season and we knew what we knew about Minshew, then it's a different scenario. 
Because if Foles had stayed in Jacksonville, he is the backup, without a shadow of a doubt. It's difficult to predict what, what would have happened, but if, if fans hadn't seen Minshew, if they didn't know him, as well as uh, it's the personality as much as his play on the field, and he hadn't exploded onto the scene, it's difficult to see how a sixth-round rookie can can take what is a very expensive quarterback off the field. I think the money that Jacksonville were, were paying the Foles would have been enough to keep him on, on the field. And I think the pressure in Jacksonville was was a lot less than it than it has been in Chicago because Chicago fans, and rightly so, think that they've got the talent on the roster to compete in what's a very difficult NFC North. I think the, the, the Jaguars don't have as big or as, as passionate a fan base uh, over there particularly. And I don't think there's an expectation that the Jaguars win from one year to the next. Mm, that's fair enough. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about it in that in that way. I I guess I was just allowing myself to think that we would have seen Minshew because of what we know of Foles, whereas I hadn't thought about the sixth round pressure of keeping a, a, an essential nobody at that time. Off it's the... difficult to, to unlearn everything we know about Minshew, isn't it? It's difficult to try and imagine that you know the the jean shorts, the mustache, the dress sense, the, the the comments in the in the in the post game interviews. We have to sort of shelve all of that and sort of f- forget it ever happened. Yeah, and he just becomes a rookie then, and that that takes a lot of the pressure off. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's the good way of looking at it. Unlearning stuff. We should do. We should all do more unlearning because it would get rid of our bias one way or the other. And we talked about that on the college pod. This is full circle, this 360. Yeah, we're, we're dovetailing right the way through, aren't we? That's how good furniture's made Rush Nation dovetail. Don't get none of that IKEA stuff. Get that real good pine dovetail drawing. It's, that's a pro tip for me. I mean, actually, so IKEA stuff is pretty good now. They've, they've ironed out their real loose bottom drawer kinks. Mm-hmm. And it's been a good five years since I bought something from IKEA where something, a piece or a screw was missing. So they're on they're on a good stretch with me, Ikea, for, for everything being where it should be. See, this is what you get with five-round rush stocks. You don't just get fantasy football advice. There could be a listener out there thinking, should I bite the bullet? Should I drive out to Ikea, get myself some meatballs, pick up a rubbish wardrobe? Rubbish? If I could show you my, my built-in IKEA wardrobes, which took me three and a half days to build myself because my wife decided that a full-fronted mirror was a great idea until she realized I had to put it up on my own. It's like, yeah, it's two and a half meters tall and I've got to stand this up and hook it on the runners. Who am I going to do that with? Thanks, love. But they're up, they're up and they've not broken. So I would oh, say... Mine's, mine's two years old and fallen to bits. So you've had a very different experience to me. <laughs> <laughs> there's the flip side of the ikea story apparently the aqs at ikea at the moment aren't great because they can only allow the way ikea works is they cram as many people as possible into a huge warehouse funnel you through the meatball factory and get you out buying candles and frames at the other end it, it's just standard ikea fare but apparently they're only allowing a certain amount of people in at the moment so queues in ikea at the moment to get in and then to queue to pay are pretty long according to my wife who has still ventured there bless her no, I, I question the sanity of anyone that plagued their weekend with a visit to IKEA. So she's only part-time. She went midweek. We haven't been on a weekend. I'm not that, that is, silly. That is a different different scenario. So I've, I've got a little bit more 
more sympathy for that. But if you choose to you, you spend your own time, particularly a Saturday, I have I have no no time for you. Please do not waste your weekend in IKEA. I, I swear to God, at the IKEA near me, it is almost like a church on a Sunday for some families. They go for the <laughs> whole day. I'm, I'm just thinking, nah, this isn't a thing. A day out to IKEA is not a thing. The thing is, though, you can say to the kids, listen, if you don't behave yourself, you're not going to get a hot dog for 74 pounds. 74p? It's cheap. It's expensive up north. It's only 50 down here. 50p? Yeah. Is that all it is? And the it ice could, cream it could, well be, it could well be up north. Everything's cheaper up north. I've, I've just plucked that figure out of the air. Uh, yeah, 50p. For, I might be a pound for a hot dog. It's definitely 50p for an ice cream, though. They're great ice creams. And then you've got to get yourself a slice of dime cake in the restaurant because that's great. And that's that's why people go, but you have to troll through all the all the rubbish to get there. No, you don't, because you just take the little shortcuts with the flappy doors that people think you're not allowed to go through, but you just burst through them, get to where you need to be. And, and yeah, that's enough IKEA, Tom. Why don't we do well, some Where Are that, We yeah. Now? That was my favourite sort of segue of all time if i don't get invited back on in future i know why i mean swedish furniture's big time ikea is a huge company so people want to go people love going so the ikea chat here is on point it's taken (laughs) over from the weather because as i sit here recording it's now dark and that is dis disappointing and uh, depressing because winter is most definitely coming where are we where are we in fantasy for 2020 it's a strange year all over the globe we know that and fantasy is no different after four weeks of your fantasy season in the NFL, Tom, how are you finding it? Stressful. Stressful. In some of the deeper leagues with 14, 16 players, with so many injuries and IR lists as long as they are, I found particularly this weekend, I had to convince myself to go to the effort to pick up the free agents. I was very tempted this weekend to just say, do you know what? I'm going to ride this week out. I'm going to take the L. Let's see what happens next week. I put the effort in and I still went two and eight. <laughs> so it's a stressful experience at the minute. But you could look at it this way, is that you actually picked a team and you might not have lost by as much as you might have done, which if it comes to a points for and against situation when it gets to the playoffs and you squeak in because you scored a few more points because you started some players. Mm-hmm. We, it, uh, it, just, it just feels dirty starting Rex Burkhead. I, I don't feel comfortable with Rex, but I'm starting in my fantasy team at the minute. So you, you after the pod, we chatted a little bit yesterday and you needed a wide receiver. Did you start Demir Bird last night? No. The the waivers didn't clear until Wednesday in that particular league. Aren't you commissioned that league? No. No, the league that we're talking about is, you know, the league we were mentioning where the defensive points are... Ah, uh, yeah. Double, double. So Josh Allen had his 300-yard, four-touchdown game and he was still outscored by the Saints. It's crazy. <laughs> so I, I did get in touch with the commission. I asked, can we clear, you know, change the the day of the waivers and he, and he did do it in time for next week. So it's not an issue f- from now on. But what I'm going to do is just hoard defences because apparently they're the most valuable fantasy player. You might be able to trade them. Yeah, I need a miracle. There was there was a league this this weekend where, as I said, Rex Burkhead and Lamichael Pirine were my starting running backs. <laughs> so it's it's desperate, desperate times. Talking of desperate times, I, I'm finding this season crazy for injury reasons, and it's because they've been the main talking point. And teams, fantasy teams, and NFL teams have been left decimated. Good teams that we've drafted with the early picks in the draft, so one, two, 
three and four. They could now be without your stud running back, Chris Godwin, or at the other end, or even if you went Godwin, Kittle, or Kittle, Godwin, second and third. If you had CMC or Barkley, then you went Godwin and Kittle. You're in all sorts of bother already. And then the other end, if you went zero RB, you went Devontae Adams and Julio Jones, you're suffering then. Or if you're in the middle of the park and you went, I don't know, Thomas and then Kenyon Drake because all the hype was up on him and he hasn't really performed so far. Even Joe Mixon already had an absolute beast of a weekend just gone, but before then he wasn't seeing the targets. They weren't using him in the running game. It's just everything about this season has been crazy and I think more fantasy football is luck as well as skill, but I think luck has taken a huge turn in this season and if you're on the bad end of it, it doesn't matter how well you draft or how well you can get waivers. There's teams out there that you won't be able to fill those players with waivers because you're missing so many parts. And especially if you've blown a big lump of fab on, say, James Robinson or Mike Davis, if you went after Robinson with a large fab bid, you probably wouldn't have enough to get Mike Davis, so therefore couldn't fill your other running back slot or there hasn't been a wide receiver that's exploded yet for people to grab with fab. So it's just just madness. And so many of my good teams are 0-4, 1-3, and 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 I'm thinking, what do I do? I've got got a team where I am 0-4 and there isn't a player on my starting roster or bench that I feel comfortable dropping. Mm -hmm. I'm in a very similar situation in a team where I'm 0-4. My IR list is absolutely jam-packed. Obviously, Saquon Barkley was my first-round pick, and we're not going to see him. In terms of IDP, Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit have gone, Daniil Hunter as an edge rusher, some top players on IR. And as you said, in a, in a deeper league as well, where you've got a 14-person league, the depth just isn't there. And you see people picking up some some incredibly average players, and they're giving up a significant amount of sort of seeing, you know, 10, 15, $20 buys for, as you said, a Mike Davis. Yeah, it's mad. I mean, this could well, we could well be looking at this in a few weeks' time where COVID has taken a real hit to the NFL and the NFL turn around and say, look, there isn't an amount of bye weeks that can save us here. We, we're going to have to shut the season down or put it on, postpone it or pause it or whatever. And we could be at Christmas time thinking, man, I miss football because there is no more NFL and college could be the same way because of just, you know, we're seeing it here with the rising cases and are America following us or are they on their own first curve still? Are they just going to have one curve that keeps going? I'm not sure on the numbers cases over there, but this could well be a write-off season. And I, I, I hope it isn't, but I mean, the way some of my teams are looking, if the season isn't written off, I'll, I'll end the season thinking, how have I finished with that record? How have I lost that many games with that many players? And it is only the teams, my dynasty teams are the only teams really where I've managed to scrape wins out because my team is either lucky through no injury or I've built them well. Um, It's just so far, just so happens in my home dynasty league that my depth at wide receiver is so good. I was able to ride out Julio, Adams and Thomas all missing last week and still get in a win. It wasn't a high scoring win, but I did enough to get the win. But in redraft where the bench isn't that big and you haven't spent draft capital over the years to to build teams and stuff, you're dead. I mean, even as good as your team is at 0-4, unless you win out, 
you're going to be struggling to get to the playoffs because there's some teams out there that are 4-0. They've not had an injury and they're looking really good right now. How have you found trades within leagues? I've found that there's a lot of a lot of nerves surrounding transactions at the minute. There's, I've seen so many things where people have traded away the world for absolutely nothing because they feel like they need to start someone. I've seen people who have been offered trades which you think you should take that. You should take that right now. And yet they haven't taken it because they're worried about losing depth at a certain position. I mean, I, I saw a trade for Kenyon Drake. It was um, Kenyon Drake and uh, who was the quarterback? It was it was in the Dynasty League. It was Kenyon Drake, Tom Brady, and a third for Dak Prescott and Josh Jacobs, maybe. Wow. And I'm think, but he's got Aaron Rodgers, so he didn't okay. want to take the trade because Rodgers is playing good right now. And I said, look, Josh Jacobs, in my opinion, is a better running back than Kenyon Drake. Dak Prescott could be your quarterback for the next 12 years in Dynasty. You don't want to throw that away for the sake of playing Aaron Rodgers, not playing Aaron Rodgers, or even just having Dak on the bench. He said, yeah, but then I'm losing out because I'm not going to be playing him and he's going to be scoring points on my bench. And the trade never went down in the end. And I'm thinking, man, that trigger, you should have just pulled that trigger all day long. I've seen some crazy trades, but then also some reluctance. I've had to put... Lamar Jackson on the trade block in one of the leagues I'm in because I am so, so desperately in need of running backs. You know, Rex Burkhead and LaMichael Piran. I can't I can't go into next Sunday with, with those two as my running backs. So I thought we'll, we'll, we'll put Lamar out there and, and see what comes back and there's been nothing. Yeah, see, which, I just... Which astounds me. I think people aren't willing to trade at the moment because of fear of not, not the unknown. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're in that league together, right, with Lamar Jackson. I saw you put him on the block. So what do you want for Lamar Jackson right now? Like, I mean, I, I don't think I don't, you don't have to tell me because we're, I, I'm in the league and I, I don't know who my quarterbacks are. I don't know the league. I just saw yeah. you put a player on the block. Um, what, I, what I absolutely need a running back that's going to contribute this year and next. Beyond that, either a, a wide receiver or a pick in the rookie, rookie draft next time. Okay. So is it, you're going to have to explain to Rush Nation what sort of league it is. Is it Superflex? Is it? Yeah, it's a Superflex setup. Just to give a, a bit more context, my other quarterbacks are I've got Josh Allen and I believe Carson Wentz, whose who's time on the roster may, may, may not last too long. The issue that, that I've got is I know Lamar's going to be great for me years to come. However, I'm so weak at running back. This is this is an issue that isn't going to be solved this, this time out. My plan, if I can get a high enough draft pick in return, is to try and take a rookie, sit on the rookie and hope that, that Josh Allen does the business for long enough and then, and then go from there. So, you have three quarterbacks in a super flex league, and you are prepared to trade away one of the top two quarterbacks in the league. To so you only have two quarterbacks, right? Yeah. So, in what do you? I can't. Do... I can't impress on you enough how bad my running backs are. Okay. What do you think you can get from realistically? What What would you be happy like? Give me a situation with what you'd be happy taking right now for Lamar Jackson. 
Right now, I would take a DeAndre Swift, a second in the rookie draft, and then maybe even throw me in a wide receiver that I can use from time to time as well. Okay. I don't know who my quarterbacks are in that league, but let me have a look. I'm sure we can come to some sort of... We can try and work it out. We can try and work it out. But yeah, it's it's interesting because I've seen a few people put their quarterbacks on the block because... A, they drafted them too early and are now needy at other positions because of injury, or B, they feel like they are hugely valuable right now, which in a standard quarterback league, you don't want to be paying up for a quarterback because you can stream them. But in Superflex, the Mars value is astronomical right now, but you're almost willing to take 75 cents on the dollar because you need value, you need position elsewhere. So I've never been in in a more desperate scenario in in a position than, than I am at the minute. And I think as well, this is a good time if you want to go out and trade. Go out and make offers if you're in a position to do so. Make offers that aren't as valuable as perhaps they could be. So, for instance, Tom's willing to take a little bit less for Lamar right now because he needs depth elsewhere. So if you are high in depth, go out and make lesser offers for these players. I mean, I had the exact thing in our Vampire League. Uh, Tom, you're not in that one with me where I'm the vampire and I just beat the guy who had Lamar Jackson and Michael Thomas and he played Michael Thomas in his starting lineup. Obviously, he didn't play and I had the choice to take Michael Thomas. Do I take Michael Thomas or do I take Lamar Jackson? And I had the discussion with Murph and Murph said, well, you could take Jackson because you would be severely hurting the opponent by taking that quarterback because you can't waivers or anything and you've only then got one quarterback and there'll be a week without buy. But I'm thinking I can stream a quarterback because I'm the vampire. And if I take Michael Thomas, once he comes back, I've got the best wide receiver in the league. That is going to be a huge coup for me going forward. I mean, I've managed to, obviously with the waivers, my, I, I won and I got Derek Henry. And then my other running back is James Robinson. And I've also got Mike Davis. I know CMC is coming back, but I can ride that Davis train one more week, hopefully. You've got a couple of weeks, yeah. And I think James Robinson's done enough. He's proved to me that he's better than Raquel Armstead. Uh, Diviner Zingbo is a who factor right now. Dare Agumbawale, he signed there, but he's done nothing. Chris Thompson's there, but is is pretty much a ghost right now. James Robinson has done all he needs to prove that he deserves a chance this season for that. So for me, I didn't want to take a running back, and I thought, I can't take Lamar here. I've got to take Thomas. I think in the grand scheme of things, I think you've made the right choice there. On the surface, it seems crazy, but considering the crazy times that we're living in, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and I wouldn't put it past Michael Thomas. If you've seen any of his social media stuff and if you know who he is as a person, I wouldn't put it past him to come back after this injury and just go absolutely bananas to prove once again to the league that, hey, yo, I am the best receiver in this league. (laughs) I was just injured and you forgot who I was. And the Saints offense desperately needs him back as well. You know that... Drew Brees is like a baby without a without a dummy at the minute. He's just desperate to get Michael Thomas back in the team. Absolutely. It's just yeah. I think it was I think it was the good move. So how do you think things stand right now compared to where we thought they would be in draft season? You know, do you think there's what's different now that you thought wouldn't be so in draft season? Quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what's different? Join the draft. I mean, I want to talk about IR spots because during the draft season, uh, Murph was the first commissioner that I saw in the summer that was saying, "Listen, I'm going to put additional spots in there because we're going to need them." But you just plow ahead and try and draft as as though everything is normal anyway. You know, you still take CM 
MC one overall, and then and then he goes out injured. And I think there's one league where I've got, um, I think it's two Steelers wide receivers, um, and Juju isn't. I think it's Juju. Juju's one of them. James Washington the other. And then you find out that you know in a week, but they're both out of the picture. So it's not a case of you know who do I think is going to get the most targets. They're both out of the picture. In in some senses, it really is a crapshoot this year. And particularly when you're picking up your free agents, there is a huge, as, as you alluded to before, a huge slice of luck when it comes to who who you pick up, who's available, and where you are in the waiver priority as well. Yeah, that's massive. I think the players, the waiver priority has never been more important right now than this season. I mean, the players, when you think, oh, I'll just add this guy on a Thursday morning before the Thursday night game because he could be useful. And you you use up your waiver priority because you picked up a guy you didn't really need to. And then all of a sudden you can't get a Mike Davis or a James Robinson because you just picked up, I don't know, let's say Golden Tate, for instance. That was just an example. But mm-hmm. I mean, the... We, I expected COVID to be a thing. I'm very cynical about COVID. I always have, always have been, and I expected it to be a thing, but never did I think that it was going to be so impactful so early. I've got a team where I, I drafted Derek Henry in the first round. I drafted Chris Carson in the second. I then took, uh, I, I can't remember, I took a wide receiver in the third. This was when Juju's ADP was 10th round. I've got Juju... Uh, James Connor, I took in the fifth, and then I've got my tight end is Jonu Smith. My whole IR list this weekend was Steelers and Titans players, and I'm thinking yeah. I'm done. And I scored 64 points because there wasn't anywhere on the waivers that I, I couldn't fill my whole team with players that were going to make me win. It's it's such a strange situation, and you will go from. We always do it when it comes to draft strategy. We always pick up the same players. I've gone for for Calvin Ridley as much as possible and things have been great for three weeks and then terrible in in week four. But I'm just looking through this weekend's games and some of the individuals that have led teams in either rushing or receiving. Now, the players that I'm about to read out, Stocks, I want your honest opinion. At the start of the year, did you draft any of these individuals? Tim Patrick of Denver. Ernest Johnson of Cleveland, Mike yep. Davis of Carolina, nope. <laughs> Wayne Goldman of the New York Giants, nope. Jerick McKinnon of the 49ers. Now I did draft Jerick McKinnon in a couple of places. Okay, and and where were you taking Jerick McKinnon? Oh, like last round, second to last round, flyers because it was just maybe he got involved, maybe that money deal that he restructured was a thing, but. It was never he was going to explode as one of the San Francisco 49ers running backs. I remember being offered McKinnon in a trade at the start of the year, and I, I replied to the guy, "Listen, he hasn't ta- he hasn't touched a ball in two years. I'm staying well away." And then to see that in week four he's he's leading the 49ers in rushing just shows how how crazy 2020 is. And then a couple from from the the evening's game from Monday night: Damian Harris and Demir Bird of New England. And then Robert Tonyan at the Packers. So Robert Tonyan, uh, I have none of. Demir Bird, nope. But I did draft Damian Harris quite a lot. Again, this was when I realised I didn't have enough running backs and I was just taking absolute swipes at the end of the draft on players. And 
I don't know what Damian Harris did last night. How many rushing yards did he have last night? So Damian Harris, 17 carries for exactly 100 yards. That's pretty good considering Sony Michelle's been average. Mm-hmm. Did Rex Burkhead do anything last night? Well, according to my fantasy team, no, he did not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rex Burkhead had one carry for five yards. Oh, that's a good. That's a good carry. Oh no, sorry, I'm I'm telling you lies. It's one reception for five yards. Eleven carries for forty-five. Oh, you've blown up the five-yard rush there, Tom. I've told you a huge lie there. Oh man, yeah. I, I, where do things stand from draft season for me? I've got way more losing teams than I thought I would have, and that isn't me blowing my own trumpet. I was pretty pleased with how I did in draft season. I know you don't win in draft season, but I was happy with my squads and quite a lot of. I've got more losing teams than winning teams. I think I'm not sure I'm over 500 right now, and this is because a I have way too many teams, and b because they consist, like you said, Tom, of mainly the same players. So if you draft the same players and you've got a lot of teams, they're all going to be going the same way. (laughs) It seems to happen naturally as well, doesn't it? You don't go out there thinking, okay, Calvin Ridley's my guy. What happens is it gets to the back end of the second round and you think, oh, Calvin Ridley's there again. And all of a sudden you've got eight shares across 10 leagues. Absolutely. Right, Tom, let's finish it off. I won't answer this one. You okay. can. This is your almost spicy hot take. What do you think's gone haywire? Teams being good, teams being bad. What do you think has just blown up in 2020 that you weren't expecting? Okay, so in terms of continuity, I'll give you teams that I'm not surprised at. And that is that the New England Patriots are better than they should be. And I think whether Cam was going to be the quarterback in Foxborough or not, the Patriots were always going to be better than, than they should be on paper. The shocks for me in terms of teams that are better are the Carolina Panthers. I think we've underestimated that offence and Robbie Anderson's ability as a, as a wide receiver one. And I also expected Jacksonville to be a lot worse than they are as well. That doesn't mean that Jacksonville are good. It just means that they, they don't stink anywhere as near as much as, as I thought they might. <laughs> and to, to finish off... the. I don't know whether this is a shock or not in terms of going haywire. I didn't expect the Cardinals to be as unpredictable this year as they were last. I expected more consistency from them, but early on from both Kyle and Murray and from the results across the board, I don't think you can rely on the Cardinals when you, when you're making a bet on a Sunday night. I don't think you can rely on the Cardinals for making a bet on a Sunday night. I don't think you can really rely on them for fantasy either to be who we thought they were going to be. You know, Nuke Hopkins, yes, his first couple of weeks were like Calvin Ridley, explosive, and he blew that whole air raid, share the ball around thing out the water. Kyler Murray has run well, hasn't thrown as well as I thought he would. Cliff Kingsbury hasn't scored as much as a team as I thought perhaps they might. And Kenyon Drake... I mentioned it either last week or the week before. Chase Edmonds is eating into his workload. Kyler Murray's eating into his workload with his legs. Nuke Hopkins is eating into his targets because of how much they've targeted him. And I just think if perhaps, like you say, there becomes a bit more consistency within the air raid system itself and the targets level out through the wide receivers, 
they're all going to be much of a muchness. And if the Cardinals do get better through consistency, it won't be good for fantasy. No, unless you take a Christian Kirk or an Andy Isabella and you're not expecting a lot from them and they're deep on your, on your roster and they end up in a flex position due to injuries or, or due to people missing out and they have a game, that's the only occasion where you'll be pleasantly surprised by a Cardinals player, I think. Yeah, agree. But then you've got to try and pick the game where they're going to go off. So Sun- Sunday is the game where they go off. <laughs> Book it. The Jets are going to get the Isabella treatment. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, just the thought. What an awful thought. <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful message to end on. Well, I mean, the, the, the message we're going to end on is better, Tom, and that's you letting Rush Nation know where they can find you and Five Yard College, because if you're new to Five Yard Rush, we thank you for coming on. We would love a, a, a five-star review over on Apple iTunes, and that's not just us, that's the boys over at Five Yard College as well. You are able to review their podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Review us both. We would massively appreciate it. But Tom, where can people find you? Where are you on Twitter? Where are you in the world? Well, you can find us over at Five Yard College on Twitter. Please come give us a follow, get involved. We are here for NFL fans that are getting into the college game. We have some listeners, some followers who have, who have been there, done it, worn the T-shirt for, for very many years. and We're learning as much from them as, as they are from us, but we are designed to, to introduce NFL fans to the college game. Come and give us a follow. We produce one midweek podcast which is our flagship show, which you joined us on Stocks this week. And then we, we've also started a weekend recap, immediate reaction to the games on a Sunday morning in just enough time for you to have a, a cup of coffee and a bacon sandwich and you can get your your weekend dose of, of college football there. Absolutely. Fire up your, uh, I almost said the word then, your Amazon devices, ask them to play. <laughs> because mine would have gone off in the background and that would have been bad <laughs> news. You, you could ask them to play either Five Yard Rush or Five Yard College Podcast and they will do their thing whilst you're making your pancakes and your coffee, like Tom said. Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure having you come on and, and repay the favour I did for you last night. So I thank you very much, sir. Don't mention it. It's been great to talk about the NFL and I, I tried to avoid dropping in some uh, some mentions about a certain team in New York and I think I've done I've not done too badly. Hey, no one wants to talk Giants, right? Correct. Anyway, Rush Nation, this has been an absolute blast. Don't forget, stay safe out there. Murph, missed you big man. Hope you're enjoying your holiday. Tom stood in admirably. Do check out Five Yard College on your podcast platforms because it is a great listen. I'm not just saying that because I was on it. I have learned so much about the college game. So we do thank you from the Five Yard family. Tom, Ash, you boys are killing it over there. But Rush Nation, until... Possibly, yes, we've got a surprise actually. We do have the matchup pods coming this week. It won't be Murph. I'm going to leave it there. It's going to be exciting. But until the matchup pods at the end of the week, Rush Nation, as always, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. 
It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.